0: Welcome back to the Anything Combat show where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny Kane. Today, we're joined by an MMA veteran. He's a coach. He's trained Jalen Turner and he works with fighters like Hamza Chemaev. This guy's a beast. His name's Azamat Dugulubgov. How are you, coach? I'm doing very well, John. How are you? I'm good, Ozzy. Thank you so much for your time. My first question for you is you were born in the North Caucasus region of Russia. Tell me about your childhood. What do you remember? Man, it was unforgettable,
1: very productive, interesting, a little bit dangerous, I can say. Uh, And um, it it was
0: purposeful. Ozzy, when did you relocate to New York? So... At the early age, I was already
1: groomed to leave the country. My father was always training me, talking to me that the future is in United States or going to Europe. With my vision of becoming an athlete, that's the place where I need to be. So I was always groomed and raised in a way where one day I will be leaving the country. So by the age of 18, uh, either 19, um, I don't remember exactly, but that's when I left the country and I ended up in New Jersey, actually.
0: Ozzy, can you clarify for me? I have no clue about the Caucasus region. Where were you from? Because I know Dagestan, I know Chechnya, but were you from those regions or were you from a different one? So
1: they are a line of uh, stretched line of mountains at the foot of which there are many different states, many different tribes, Ossetia, Dagestan, Chechnya. uh, And one of the states where I grew up is called Kabardino-Balkaria, very long name. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's one of the states that I was in. Basically our people, that whole region is the indigenous people of Russia, of that area of Russia. We were natives of that area. We have different blood. We had different languages, different uh, backgrounds, and uh, at one point of history, we became part of the larger empire.
0: So, when did you start training? Um,
1: uh, in general, I started training martial arts at a very early age. Uh, I my father forced me to do kickboxing and taekwondo, which I hated at that time. And I wanted to wrestle like all the other kids in my school were wrestling. Um, Then around age of 11, 12, finally, he allowed me to go to wrestling clubs, wrestling schools and participate in wrestling practice. But uh, mostly I was competing in combat Sambo, kickboxing and taekwondo. Very few, most regional tournaments I did in wrestling. Uh, For some reason he wanted me to really concentrate on understanding the submissions uh, the MMA uh, Strategy as well as striking because I would say 90% of athletes were wrestlers and uh, to do kickboxing or Taekwondo was such a alienated way of being around your people so yeah, I started martial arts at the early age, then um, I heavily invested into competing in the combat sambos from 16 to 18 years old. Those two years, I did numerous of competitions, uh, and then I moved to United States at the age of 18, 19, and then I strictly concentrated on grappling in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I didn't allow myself to compete in any kickboxing tournaments. I actually did few kickboxing tournaments because my father was influencing me so much to compete in those things. I did a few tournaments. I did in the first four or five months, I did my first amateur fight in the United States. And after that, I said, no, 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 no. Everybody leave me alone. I want to emphasize Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu grappling skill. I want to understand the part of the game, the part of the MMA that I wasn't introduced to so much back home in Russia. I knew how to take people down. I knew how to wrestle. I knew Judo. But the actual ground game was so foreign to me and I was fascinated by it and I wanted to make sure that I am as complete as possible before I become pro. So the first two years of my athletic career here in the United States was strictly dedicated to grappling. I was competing uh, almost every week, sometimes twice per week. I would compete in some Saturday tournaments, sometimes if there are tournaments on Sundays, I would compete on Sunday tournaments so it was it was non-stop action uh and the results spoke for itself uh when i started my amateur career i was just running through my opponents it was it was and every fight i would go in i was like hey as long as i get in a grappling exchange i'm good so i have no fear and with that kind of cockiness my second pro fight i got caught in the most fundamental silly guillotine <laughs> yes 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 it was disastrous it was disastrous yet one of the best things happened to me because it put me back into focus uh set of mind, and um after that i was like that's ain't nobody messing with me
0: one fighter that you trained that i actually personally picked as a dark horse in the division And a dark horse to win that championship at lightweight is Jalen Turner. I really like his style. I like the strike selection that he chooses. And because he's a finisher, a real finisher at that. Man, he is one of the most fascinating people I ever trained.
1: He is highly talented. He's striking. His ability to hit. I don't even want to call his kickboxing his boxing His ability to move and hit people is unparalleled. I
0: have never witnessed anything like that in my life. Exactly, coach. That's exactly what I was saying. I was telling somebody that... In those sequences, I was telling people that as people move, he can catch them on off angles and whilst they're moving away and trying to dodge, he will be on like one foot aerial and he'll still land. He's got a very weird accuracy. Oh my God. Yes. It's it's very different. It's talented. It's very hard to train
1: somebody for that because it's the way how he moved, the way how he is able to generate force from the most unconventional positions and from the outside view it doesn't even seem something powerful but when it touches you you feel it you feel it so that's one that's one of the fascinating things he has if you would ask me as a coach what does he need one he's so talented and every talented person cursed with laziness (laughs) yes so uh when he does work hard he works hard but he me and him we always in a tag of war of me pulling him into the routine him taking his uh sweet time back but it's very well balanced between me and him so far it works whenever compromise needs to be made from my side i make those compromises whenever he has to bite it and move forward he does it for me and obviously he's grappling i think when when me and him, we finally started working together, that was his biggest downfall of his career is the lack of understanding the MMA grappling system. Not jujitsu, jitsu not just wrestling, but MMA grappling system, which is so different and it's relatively new science out there in the combat sports. We've been practicing wrestling on its own for centuries. We've been practicing Brazilian jujitsu for a long time and it's rapidly improving in a world stages but very few people are investing time to do proper empirical testing to receive good analysis to collect that data and then come up with the new strategies and new understandings and new statistics for mma grappling i don't even want to call mma wrestling i don't want to call MMA jujitsu it's strictly mma grappling because one of the very Distinguishable things that separates MMA grappling from all the other sports are two cousins and MMA that separates MMA from others is the ability to hit people on the ground and have a second vertical surface of the fighting arena, which is the cage wall. Those two principles change the way how we fight and the way how we grapple, we wrestle, or we do jujitsu
0: from all the other sports. Coach, you were there for his recent fight against Michoud Gamrot up against a difficult opponent. Did you consider that fight a robbery? Man, the moment
1: fight was over, I judged it as we lost. We lost the fight. We didn't do enough. After I rewatched it, one time I had a flip of vision. I said, no, 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 Jalen won the fight. Last time I rewatched that again, I tried to pull myself out and to be as un- unbiased as possible. Yes, I would give the fight back to Gamerett. Uh one of the reasons I would, there are different types of judges. Some I don't know if it's a right terminology to call them old school judges, but their specific point of view of judges that's out there where if they see the end of the rounds and the the late rounds are being owned by one side, even though the whole beginning was owned by the other side, they will give the priority, the value to the one who finished on top, meaning with pressure and winning. You understand? And if you judge from the street point of view, imagine the round the third round being finished where the guy is on top of you and the bell saved the guy on the bottom to get back up that makes somewhat of a sense and two rounds were finished where the other guy was on top so so i assume that's what judges saw that's not what i judged but i assume that's how judges saw the fight and that's why you went but again I'm a big believer, it may sound a little too harsh towards my students or towards some other people, but I'm a big believer of having clean victories. If you want to be a champion, if you want to to have that strap around your waist, and especially if you want to make good business out of mixed martial arts, you better knock those motherfuckers out. You better strangle them, break them, destroy them, dominate them then
0: there are no questions asked. Coach, I'm predicting that he knocks out or submits Dan Hooker in the first round. What do you think about this prediction? I'm calling for like a first round guillotine. Do you agree?
1: Man, it's 100% possible. One of of the reasons why Jalen's guillotines work so well, Jalen's strangles work so well, when this guy hits you, you want to crumble. You don't want to stand in front of him. You would want to try to clinch him. And a lot of people, when they already hurt. They ducking their head down. It's a, it's a natural, common error of so many people who do combat sports. Um, and that's why the guillotine comes in place and it's very successful at times. So yes, it's definitely possible because Jalen has an intention to come out and hurt this guy bad. And guys, Dan Hooker is going to come out being the most prepared because he knows who he's going against and the this is uh probably a fight a revenge for his teammate so so we are assuming to receive the best version of dan hooker and we are planning and strategizing to
0: destroy the best version of dan hooker coach when i was looking at your instagram i saw you do the one two three clap when did you start doing this
1: Man, I have no idea. It's just something so cool. I mean, I grew up, I grew up in a military family. Like my father was a soldier, and everything in the house was set in a way where, like a yes sir, no sir version of of Russian style. So I I don't even remember. Maybe I saw it once. I fell in love with it, and I like that clean separation of we're done talking. Let's work. So the one, one, two, three, came in place. I really like it.
0: <laughs> Coach, when I was viewing your material, I saw that you were doing timed runs. Now, I'm a little bit confused about this. What are you trying to achieve when you get someone to run at a specific pace for a certain amount of time? Can you share with us why you utilize this in your training systems? Uh, I do many different variations of what you're talking
1: about. Uh, I'm not sure exactly which scenario you saw, which video you saw, but one of the versions that I do is, in general, I I educated myself, I studied so much uh, performance enhancing conditioning training and strength training for athletes, and I discovered so much for myself when I did that. And it made so much sense to me because first, by understanding psychology and physiology of the human body, of the human beings. You understand we revolve around a process that's called a process of SAID. Specific adaptations to imposed demands. Specific adaptations to imposed demands. So now, if I'm training a fighter, as a coach, I must create an environment where I can impose the demands that are imposed on him during the fight. That is the ability to move fast and the ability to rest while you're still moving at the lower pace, the ability to push, the ability to pull, the ability to do compound strength resistance exercise, and instantly go into the kinetic chain reaction dynamics, and then instantly go back to static positions, and then switch to whole total body mobility drills. That's what the MMA fight is. Grappling, striking, moving, holding, trying to squeeze, trying to pressure, trying to calm yourself down, move around on the feet. Like it's a complete, one of the most functional athletic mixes out there. I believe there is no other sport that involves that much functionality of athleticism as much as mixed martial arts do. So the rounds probably you saw where I make them go all out, At the 20 seconds interval sometimes it is 30 seconds interval depends of the exercise and then when they went all out opposed to completely stopping and resting which doesn't exist in mma i let them jog or move to perform some kind of action and to be able to do an active recovery while you're still moving while you're still focused and you gotta keep somewhat of a coordination going so probably that's what you saw in that
0: video Who is a fighter that you train currently that we don't know about that you are confident in to make it to the UFC and have success? Oh, man. I have a few young kids, teenagers,
1: who has tremendous potential to become very well-known athletes. That's the least I can say. Very well-known athletes. Um, But... 14 15 and 17 years old um but they they are going through one of the big curses of what this new generation has is this burst of information on them this especially in united states this delusional freedom of choice uh this moralization and all this pressure from school, from peers. So they are like this on and off. Sometimes they're training so well, sometimes they disappear a little bit. So you never know what's gonna happen with them. But if I could keep them on tracks, I believe by the age of 22, 23, each of them could make big noise in a world of mixed martial arts. That's one. Two, I have a lot of amateur athletes from the ages of 18 to 24 Poor, promising athletes, too, but to pinpoint somebody to say, oh, my God, he's going to be a future star, I stopped doing that. I remember when I just started coaching, it was 2016, when I invested into coaching athletes, and I had a wave of talented kids coming in and training with me. I got so excited, and I made such a big plans, and I was like, oh, this is it. These kids are going to take over the world. Boof, gone. Second wave came, same exact thing, poof, gone. And I realized there are so many talented athletes out there, so many promising athletes out there, but they are lacking few principles, few criterias of success. Consistency. Without consistency, doesn't matter what investments you make, you're going to be crushed. And assertiveness. You need that assertiveness. You need to be a little bit crazy to become a great mixed martial artist, to become a great businessman, to become a great engineer. You have to have that edge. I didn't reach big heights in a, as a fighter and in the world of mixed martial arts, but ask anybody who ever trained with me. Ask anybody who was with me when I was on a rise in my career before health stopped me doing it. Everybody will say the same thing. Ozzy was fucking crazy.
0: You have to have that. Ozzie, when I was watching your tape, the first thought that came to mind was that you're an amazing fighter. So why did you stop fighting and move into coaching instead?
1: I say this story many times in many interviews, but because people still didn't know about me, they probably didn't watch these interviews or anything. But um, health, I had these health issues. It's a long story. I'll make it as short as possible. I had these health issues from young age that I didn't know of, my parents didn't know of. And as the time went by, it started putting pressure on my heart conditioning. And I start having these crazy pains in my chest, uh, nose bleeds out of nowhere, ears are clogged and blood pressure jumping up and down. Then uh, it last, my last four professional fights, that's what I went through. Nobody knew that. I went through crazy amount of pain to get in a cage and fight. So many in, in my last four fights, my last fight that I did normal was against uh, Andrew Osborne, where I finished with the leg like After that, every fight, I came out in pain with my health being decreased, and every fight I was trying to preserve myself and not to burst out. And people would be like, everybody who knows me in a spark, they're like, oh, wow, Ozzy is so different. And aspiring in the fight what he does is way less than what he's able to do in training. But fight my last four fights, I was coming out just preserving myself, just telling myself, let me just win clean so I can fight again because I need the money. You understand what I'm talking about? Like I was afraid to I was afraid to burst out my breath uh my health and get really bad damage. And last fight when I was supposed to fight Gaichi, uh that's it. One week before the fight, I was taken to the hospital. They look at me. They can't recognize. Everything is fine with Ozzy. Um, I said, okay, you know, maybe everything is fine. Maybe I'm just overtrained, but I don't know. Fuck it. I'm tired of this. I didn't tell anybody. I told my manager. Uh, my manager said, oh, let's check. He sent me to the doctor here, Dr. and All the doctors get back to him and say, oh, he's fine. He's healthy as a bull. And my manager is like, hey, are you stressed? Are you okay? I'm like, listen, brother. <laughs> I left my home at the age of 18, came to this country by myself. I am not scared. I, am, I don't know what stress is. You understand? Uh, stress gets stressed from me. I said, <laughs> I, I'm not into these things. I said, I, I don't do these stuff. I said, something is wrong with me. So he was like, oh. now imagine position of a manager too. If all the doctors telling him his fighter is fine and the fighter is saying he's hurt, something is fishy going on, you know? So I'm assuming he didn't believe me. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. I went for the fight, I did my weight cut, and the morning of the fight, I woke up, my right side is paralyzed, I can't feel my hands, can't feel my right leg, my chest is killing me, my head is about to separate like this on two pieces, I don't know what's wrong with me, I barely got up to the bathroom, walked somehow, got my feeling back into my hands, something is off, they called the doctor, they quickly took me to the hospital, gave me more film, they said, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Something is off. All his vitals are through the roof. They calmed me down. They did several tests. They couldn't find anything. And only when I went back to Russia, I went to specific doctors and stuff. They find out what was the problem. They had to do two surgeries. And it took me two, two and a half years to recover. And I felt so good. I felt like a beast. The doctors are like, you weren't supposed to be an athlete with these problems. How were you an athlete with these problems? (laughs) But when I recovered, oh my God, I felt so good. But during my recovery, I invested so much into coaching, invested so much into my business where somehow my heart moved from cage feeling into doing just jujitsu tournaments and coaching. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with business. I fell in love with coaching. And here I am talking to you, my friend. (laughs)
0: Coach, I've got a serious question for you. You've just told us about your medical history and all the issues that you went through. Do you think that it was God's will to stop you from fighting, to put you into coaching so you can, so you can succeed more and help more people in this life? Everything happens for a reason. There's nothing is for nothing. If you believe,
1: if you have clean intentions... God will create scenarios for you to reach your success. It may not be success that you imagine, but he will make it that way where you will get success even better than that one. As long as your intentions are noble. What is success to you? I ask myself, what is success? And when I give myself an answer, I was oh okay, God is gonna help me because my success involved noble intentions. So I said, okay, I'm good. Hence what whichever way my path took me, I was content. I was hurt that I had to stop fighting while I was on a rise of my career, where I was coming out into fights. This is this is no lie. People who knows me close, who spend time with me, they can validate this. I was coming out to fights 100% convinced and believing that there's nobody who can stop me. Because I was like, oh my God, if I'm beating these guys at my 50% and people don't even know what I'm capable of, when I open myself up, people will be laying down in the first rounds. That's how I believed. That's how I felt. Okay? Maybe true, maybe not. Maybe... It was really going to happen like that, maybe not. But my lifestyle forced me to study, and I loved studying. So even when I was fighting myself, I did a lot of self-coaching. I did a lot of analysis of fighting, of physiology, combat psychology, that I started like a sponge, just accumulating, accumulating so much, so much knowledge into myself. I remember when I was training under Greg Jackson and Coach Winkle John, I remember Greg Jackson took me to, to the office. We looked at my opponent. He said, you give me your strategy. I gave him my strategy. He said, Azi, there is nothing I need to teach you anymore. He says, there's, there's nothing else. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, he said. Yeah, you can ask Greg if he remembers this. You can ask him, Greg Jackson. He's a coach of the year in the world several times. This guy is, is a general of MMA. He's, 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 a, he's a, one of the best when he told me that it was two feelings one i was fascinated and blessed and i was happy that somebody so great told me that there's nothing else to teach me and two i was so sad i was like no 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 i i need somebody to guide me i need somebody to tell me nah, motherfucker, you still have to learn this you still have to do this so it was a it was a it was good and bad feeling at the same time but Yeah, it's, I think that lifestyle, that fighting career that I had, forced me, encouraged me, and positioned me in a way where I just consumed so much experience, so much knowledge, that when I started outputting that knowledge back into the world, a knowledge that I consider something very simple, something very practical and fundamental, when people would listen, they would be going, what the fuck? We never heard this. Where did you learn this? And in my head, I was like, my oh, man, this is very simple. They would go, no, this is extraordinary what you're saying. We never heard these details before. And I could be talking about something very simple, uh, something that we all know, let's say, a way of doing a single leg head inside, okay? But the amount of details in." How meticulously I was approaching to the phases of the action and adding the lines between the lines was getting people excited. And and I realized, man, I think I got a gift, man. I think something something in me that not many people has, it's a blessing from God. So I need to use it. Wasting is a sin. I cannot waste what God gave me. It works very well, and I don't have to punch anybody in the face. I'll take it, let's go, let me share my knowledge. And (laughs) I studied so many biographies of successful people from different fields. And every time I would find this common criteria they all shared. Uh, They would make complicated, extraordinary things to be gifted to the people, as something very simple and digestible product. And I said, I like that. I wanna do that. And it took me time. At the beginning, I used to open the Pandora box. The moment I would start talking about a simple move, people would like, oh my God, this is too much information. So right now, I understood, like, not every mind works in a way where they can sit down and listen to lectures. When I used to train under John Denneher, I used to love him explaining moves. And I would look around, some people would be like this, falling asleep with his voice, with his tone, how he expands the exercise. He would be like, keep going. I'll sit here for hours and listen to you. So I feel that influenced me, too, because my father was the same. He would start lectures until the morning. So I think I took that and I was doing the same and I noticed, I said, I got to modify thing. I'm not John Denneher. I'm not my father. Let me be me. Let me take the best of their worlds, combine it, mix it, adjust it, and present it to people in a different product with the same intentions to provide them vital information.
0: Now I've got an actual question for you. How much can you lift and how strong are you? Man, I don't know. Uh, I
1: never measured my maxes in strength, okay? Maybe certain things I did. (sighs) What can I use as a criteria to prove, to demonstrate my strength and and, um, explanation? Maybe when I was training for my last few fights, it reached the point where at Jackson Wing Academy, they had two classes, two sparring session uh, times. Uh, first session was 155 pounders and below. Second session was 170 pounders and up. When I was in season, I was walking around 168, 169 when I was preparing for the 155 pound uh, division fights. So during that time, I stopped sparring with my weight class guys, 155 and below class, because I was just overpowering them so much. I had to move up and I was trained with 185 pounders, 170 pounders to feel somebody can at least push me a little bit or push me off of uh, themselves sometimes. So, <laughs> so I, think, I think God gifted me with a work ethic. And with a lifestyle that gave me a tremendous physical strength, I I reckon before I used to be shy I used to say no 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 I'm not strong. But especially now with age, I may not be as fast as before and as conditioned before. Like I say, I, I have one good round out of me. I, that's what I tell to my students, especially when Jalen trying to wrestle me I'm like a Jalen, leave me alone. I have good one round. After that, we're done. So so yeah, it's physical strength wise. Right now, I'm 34 years old, and I think I'm. Physically the strongest I've ever, I've ever been. And another way to know about my strength is to talk about people who regularly rolls with me. Then you will know. <laughs> Hear their comments. Hear their comments. They, they will give the best one.
0: I saw that you worked with Hamzat Chamayev. What an impressive fighter. What was he like to deal with when the cameras are not on him? Man, he's,
1: he's amazing. He makes me very happy. I was enjoying working with him and I was very fortunate and blessed that we met because the very first time I saw him on TV, I saw something in his eyes that told me, oh my God, I wanna train this guy. There is something special in his eyes. He is so real. There's no hypocrisy in his movement. There's no hypocrisy in his interviews. There's no hypocrisy in his fighting. He is on the outside what he is on the inside. That's what I assumed, all right? And I couldn't wait to meet this guy. I was like, a, I'm, I'm in this industry, one day we'll meet. And somehow it happened that we met, we spoke a little bit, we shared some ideas, we were interested uh, working with each other and we made that happen. And I enjoyed so much and I believe he enjoyed it too because we we're planning to continue working together in the future now, in the very near future. and. Um, I can point out a few things. One, he is one of the most well-mannered, high-level athletes I've ever seen. Highly well-mannered. Old school, our tribal lifestyle mannerism. The respect for adults, uh, elders, the respect to the hierarchy in a room, Uh, the respect to others, a beautiful balance of joking and being serious, following instructions, great listening skills, patience, and unparalleled work ethic. Unparalleled work ethic. This is every coach's dream. This is every coach's dream, okay, to have a student like that. So he's, he's very special. He's very special and God willing, if his health stays well, if he has good people around him. This guy is going to is going to reach huge heights, incredible athletes, so easy to work with him. And he
0: catches moves like this, like this. I showed him once something, he did it instantly. What's your prediction for his future in the middleweight division? Do you see him beating Israel Adesanya for the middleweight belt?
1: I don't know. We'll see. I think if he decides to be a welterweight champion, he will be a welterweight champion. If he decides to be a middleweight champion, he will be a middleweight champion. Everything will go back to very first thing is God needs to bless him with safety, meaning his health physically and his mental health. Make sure that nothing in his life drastically happens that may deviate him from this focus that he has. So number one is God has to open the door for him. Number two is a proper regime, pro- proper training routine towards whatever each goal he has, meaning each against each athlete in general training routine against what weight class he's going to choose when all this will fall in place properly and systematically oh that's it. this guy will be
0: an unstoppable machine do you think Adesanya can defensively wrestle Hamzat or do you believe that the pressure and the chain wrestling mechanisms that Hamza Chamayev has proven that he is superb in will be too much for Israel? Let
1: me bring it this way. Adesanya is one of my favorite athletes as well. Okay, an amazing time, uh, an amazing uh, fighter. Uh, one time they when they were preparing to fight um, in, in uh, New York at the Madison Square Garden, they chose my gym to run their last few weeks of their training camp before the fight. They came in earlier to the States and they were training by me. What an amazing group of athletes and coaching staff. Great people. Such a tribal, old-school lifestyle. I fucking loved it. That's how I grew up. That's how I was raised. Okay? One for everybody and everyone for one. It's a beautiful thing. Okay? That is aside. Stylistically, I think somebody who has a... Strategy and the abilities and the way of combating, like Hamza, will be a kryptonite for Adesanya. Okay, I'm not saying Adesanya's style and skill set is not dangerous for Hamza, oh, it's very dangerous. But if we put it on a scale, it would be way worse matchup for Adesanya than for Hamza. Okay, it's it's and this is just my opinion again i'm I'm a coach who observed and this is just my observation from watching both of the athletes train and fight i don't think many athletes who didn't wrestle from the early age will have an ability to stop someone like hamza in grappling and wrestling that's what i'm talking about so Few months of practicing takedown defenses is going to do very little help against somebody like Hamza. So that's just my opinion.
0: How long have you ridden horses for?
1: Man, I dreamt of riding horses since I was a child, but I only started doing it when I had a little bit more money. And a little bit more time i could buy more time for myself to go out there and ride horses i think i started a few years back and whenever i have time to to escape from my routine that's one of the hobbies that i love the most that is riding horses snowboarding um hiking anything to do with nature and uh brazilian jiu-jitsu putting the gi on and just shutting everything off and focusing on the grappling match those are
0: one of the activities that i love the most i read something on your instagram that i thought was really important it was a quote that you posted it said live as if you were to die tomorrow but learn like you will to live forever how important is this quote for you and why did you put it up Ah, It's been impacting my life in so many different ways, especially
1: when first time I experienced a heavy burden on my shoulders. It happened about nine or 10th month in the United States when I end up on the streets with two bags of my clothes in them. And I was literally on the streets and I looked to one side, looked to the other side and I was like, where am I going to sleep tonight? Like I had no idea what to do. Everything was just reset. Nine, ten months ago, I left my home, came to a completely different country. All the plans crushed. Now I'm on the streets, literally on the streets. And I think that's the first time I experienced something what people call stress. And I was like, shit, this is real. Okay. And uh, again, I reverted back to my religion. And that's something that I took from my religion. Because it explains to us there is no tomorrow. You never know if it's gonna come or not. Yesterday is already gone. None of us has enough power to bring back tomorrow and change tomorrow. We have only one thing, one blessing, and that blessing is a present moment. This allows you not to be stressed about what happened And not to worry about what's going to happen and make the most out of the present moment. That's it. This allowed me to slowly come out of that pressure and start moving. And movement is life. I start putting small steps of actions towards my goal. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. And boom, 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 boom. Start building my attitude and my character off of that. And uh, thank God. So far, it helps me a lot. So far, it helps me to push through so many obstacles.
0: Ozzy, does this dictate your coaching philosophy at all? Oh,
1: 100%. My whole coaching philosophy revolves around my life experience. You know what makes, um, I'm not sure how famous this movie is. I'm not sure if people may know about this. Uh, there was a movie about this kid um, on this TV show where he's answering questions and he's receiving money. And each question was connected to some kind of drastic experience in his life. Are you talking about Slumdog Millionaire? Yes, 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 yes. I didn't remember the name. I swear, every life lesson that I had is somehow translated to my teachings, to the way how I explain things, to the way how I deliver things, to the way how I'm trying to analyze things through my coaching career. and through the way how I have my relationship with
0: my students. And I cherish that very much. Coach, how do you decipher and assess a fighter's skill level and potential before working with them? Assessing their skills is one of the last criterias,
1: actually, I look into. The very first criterias are this. Some people may not really understand this and um, may believe this is silly, but all of us, we have our beliefs. First thing that I sense is their energy vibrations. I feel their tone of speaking, their movements, their body language, um, their energy, their aura in general. If that doesn't match, nothing else matters. So that's where everything starts, through their mannerism, through the way of talking, Then next one is their work ethic and their ability to follow instructions. And only then, I believe after a few more things, the criteria is how skillful they are. Because to me as a coach, if those important criteria are not in place, I don't care if you're the best in the world at what you do, you
0: and me, we're not going to connect. Coach. How do you prepare your fighters mentally and work on the psychological aspect and preparation of the sport before their fights? This is individual. It
1: really depends on an athlete. It really depends on their background, on their life story. So very first thing I do is I'm trying to get to know these guys. It takes time. It's something that you do not want to and you shouldn't pressure. It has to come naturally. And as more you get to know the guys, more you will know what excites the guy, what values he has, what he likes and what he doesn't like, what he hates if he has something to hate, and what he loves if he has something to love, which all of us, we should have something. And then, off of that, I'm trying to see, does this guy, has something in his life that he is ready to give his life for. If I can find that, I can make this guy go and crack the moon open and put it back together just for motivation. As long as I know he has something that he is ready to give his life for. If I'm able to use that energy towards him going out there and pushing through the challenges of fighting this guy will be unstoppable so yeah it's psychological part of the game psychological part of my
0: job as a coach it's highly important i would consider you as the upper echelon of coaches right now in mma how do you stay so up to date with new techniques and new systems that people to implement into your fighters
1: I'm not a believer of what's new. I'm a believer of how deep I can dig back into the essences, into the major principles, into understanding the fundamental laws of combat, fundamental laws of body mechanics, psychology. And as deeper I get back to the essence of fighting, better understanding and better vision I can have of what's out there in a broader version. All right? Sometimes to see something better, we got to separate ourselves from it. Sometimes we got to dig deeper and deeper into it, okay, to get back to the most simple form of the product that we're trying to study. When you do that in MMA, when you dig deeper and you understand that, you realize there is nothing new. Everything has been there for centuries, okay and sometimes you don't even need to complicate things but keep them back at the simple pace so in reality there is very hard right now to come up with something new okay Uh, if you know all the principles and fundamentals of the like i said body mechanics combat strategy and uh and the psychology of uh, fighting but what happened is sometimes by Me, what I do, by constantly observing uh, athletes from different backgrounds, by observing my own athletes, by analyzing the tapes, and thank God I'm still young and healthy enough to practice certain things, to test different positions and feel physically different variations, different directions. I'm doing my empirical testing, putting the data together, doing my analysis. And from that meticulous analysis, I receive new information that allows me to test it in a different ways and see if it works and understand how to deal with certain problems at the same time. So
0: that's how it is. Coach, how do you build that open relationship between your fighters and yourself so you can build that open communication and build that strong coach and fighter connection and i i'm just being myself
1: okay uh i watch my boundaries i know how far to open up to certain people and how far not to open up to certain people uh, according of how prepared they are to hear something new and how comfortable they are to match that level and open themselves up to it too So it's, I enjoy spending time with my students. I enjoy sharing my stories. I enjoy sharing experiences and stories of others with my students with the intention to have that as an example for them of what to do and of what not to do. So I think, That question would be better asked my own students. They would give you a better answer saying, hey, Coach Aziz like this, Coach Aziz like that. From my perspective is I'm trying to give my experience to them in every possible way. Sometimes it's in the form of jokes. Sometimes it's in the form of lectures. Sometimes it's within the actual training, sharing techniques and stuff like that. Uh, Sometimes sharing my happiness with them. Sometimes even sharing some of my sad moments with them And uh, that's, it's nothing, nothing um, extra pushing. Everything just comes naturally and we all enjoy each other's company. Like I previously answered to your question, this happens when the first criteria is passed. If our energy vibrations match, everything else is relatively simple. Coach, what do you say to your fighters in the corner? Very first thing, my goal to know is if the fighter is injured, okay? I remember I had several scenarios where, one of them actually, where I broke my arm in the first round and I knew the arm was broken and I sat down and the coach is giving me directions to use that arm and now, I don't know, should I tell him my arm is broken or I shouldn't? And then I looked over, there was a doctor looking at me like this, sitting right by the cage and I said, I'm not gonna say anything. So my coach was giving me a complete different fight strategy than what I was going to do due to my broken arm, okay? So very first thing that I do when even in training between the rounds, the moment my fighter is done, I go up to him, very first question I ask, breathe, now tell me, is there anything I need to know about your injuries? Anything hurts? Fighter says, no, I'm good. Then I talk strategy uh, according of what's happening in the fight. That's it. But very first thing, I need to know about their well-being. I need to know that nothing seriously is damaged, nothing seriously is injured, and if there is some problems, I'm gonna quickly try to come up with the solutions to work around them. It's very emotionless moment. I'm trying to put all my emotions away. It's very practical, strategically designed 60 seconds that I'm trying to make the most out of. make those 60 seconds as efficient
0: as possible for my app what do you think sets you apart from other coaches in the mma community right now man answering this question i
1: may sound either cocky and if i try to answer differently i may sound way too humble okay you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna answer like this let's give another year
0: And it will be very obvious what separates me from other coaches. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you very much, Ozzy, for your time. Is there any final remarks you want to say to the fans at home as we wrap up the podcast?
1: No, my friend. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you, John. And uh, looking forward to doing this again with you.
0: Follow Azamat on Instagram, link in the description, and follow Anything Combat on Spotify. See you guys next time. Bye-bye.